Chapter 24 of The Wonder Clock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tech Savvy. The Wonder Clock by Howard Pyle. 12 o'clock. His hark, the watchdog's bark. The fire is covered, the bricks grow old. In the warmest corners, the brown cobold. He sits quite still, and his eyes are bright. The clock strikes twelve, tis the day of night. Snuggle down closer into your bed and pull the coverlets over your head. Chapter 24. The Best That Life Has to Give There was a blacksmith who lived near to a great dark pine forest. He was as poor as a charity soup. But dear knows whether that was his fault or not, for he laid his troubles upon the back of ill luck, as everybody else does in our town. One day the snow lay thick all over the ground, and hunger and cold sat in the blacksmith's house. I'll go out in the forest, says he, and see whether I cannot get a bagful of pine cones to make a fire in the stuff. So off he stumped, but could find no cones, because they were all covered up with white. On into the woods he went, farther and farther, and deeper and deeper, until he came to a high hill, all of bare rock. There he found a clear place, and a more pine cone scattered over the ground than a body could count. He filled his basket, and it did not take him long to do that, but he was not to get his pine cones for nothing. Click, clack! A great door opened in the side of the hill, and out stepped a little dwarf, as ugly as ugly could be, for his head was as big as a cabbage, his hair as red as carrots, and his eyes as green as a snake's. So, said he, you're stealing my pine cones, are you? and there are none in the world like them. Look your last on the sunlight, for now you shall die. Down fell the blacksmith on his knees. Alas, said he, I did not know that they were your pine cones. I will empty them out of my sack and find some elsewhere. No, said the dwarf, it is too late to do that now. But listen, you might hunt the world over and find no such pine cones as these so we will strike a bit of bargain between us. You shall go in peace with your pine-cones, if you will give me what lies in the bread trough at home. Oh, yes, said the blacksmith, I will do that gladly. Very well, said the dwarf, I'll come for my pay at the end of seven days. And back he went into the hill again, and the door shut behind him. Off went the blacksmith, chuckling to himself. It is the right end of the bargain that I have this time, said he. But bless you, he talked of that horse before he had looked into its mouth, as my uncle Peter used to say. For listen, while his wife sat at the home spinning, she wrapped the baby in a blanket and laid it in the bread trough because it was empty and as good as a cradle. And that was that the dwarf spoke of, for he knew what had been done over at the blacksmith's house. But the blacksmith was as happy as a cricket under earth. On he plodded, kicking up the soft snow with his toes, but all the time the basket of pine cones kept growing heavier and heavier. Come, said he at last, I can carry this load no farther. Some of the pine cones must be left behind. So he opened the basket to throw a parcel of them out. But, I, how he did stare! for every one of those pine-cones had turned to pure silver as white as the frost on the window-pane. After that he was for 
throwing none of them away but for carrying all of them home if he broke his back at it and upon that you may depend and i had them all for nothing said he to his wife for the dwarf gave them to me for what was in the bread trough and i knew very well that there was nothing there alas said she what have you done the baby is sleeping there and has been sleeping there all the morning when the blacksmith heard this he scratched his head and looked up and looked down for he had burned his fingers with the hot end of the bargain after all all the same there was nothing left but to make the best that he could of it so he took two or three of the silver pine cones to the town and bought plenty to eat and plenty to drink and warm things to wear into the bargain at the end of seven days up came the dwarf and knocked at the blacksmith's house well and is the baby ready said he for i have come to fetch it but the blacksmith's wife begged and prayed and prayed and begged that the baby might be spared to her let us keep it for seven years at least said she for what you can want with a young baby in the house yes that was very true young babies were troublesome things to have about the house and the woman might keep it for seven years since she was anxious to do so so off went the dwarf and the woman had what she wanted for seven years it's a long time to put off your troubles but at the end of that time came the dwarf a second time well is the boy ready now said he for i have come to take him yes yes says the woman the boy is yours but why not leave him for another seven years for he's very young to be out in the world yet yes that was true and so the dwarf put off taking him for seven years longer but when it had passed back he came again and this time it did no good for his mother and father to beg and pray for he had put off his bargain long enough and now he was having what was his all the same says he to the blacksmith if you will come after five years to the place in the woods where you saw me you shall have your son if you choose to take him and off he went with the lad at his heels well after five years had passed the blacksmith went into the forest to find the dwarf and to bring his son again there was a dwarf waiting for him and in his hand he held a basket well neighbor says he and have you come to fetch your son again yes that was what the blacksmith wanted very well says the dwarf but here he is and all that you have to do is taken he opened the basket and inside was a wren a thrush and a dove but which of the three is the lad says the blacksmith that is for you to tell neighbor says the dwarf the blacksmith looked and looked and first he thought it might be the wren but then he thought it might be the thrush and then he thought it might be the dove but he was afraid to choose any one of them three lest he should not be the right in the choosing so he shook his head and sighed and was forced at last to go away with empty hands out by the edge of the forest sat an old woman spinning flax from a distaff whither away friend said she and why do you wear such a sorrowful face the blacksmith stopped and told her that the whole story from beginning to end tut said the old woman you should have chosen the dove for that was your son for sure and certain there said the blacksmith 
if i had only known that in the first place it would have saved me so much legwear and back he went hard foot to find the dwarf and to get his own son again there was a dwarf waiting for him with a basket on his arm but this time it was a sparrow and a magpie and a lark that were in it and the blacksmith might take which of the three he liked for one of them was his own son the man looked and looked and could make nothing of it so all that he could do was to shake his head and turn away again with empty hands out by the edge of the forest sat the old woman spinning truth says she you should have chosen the lark for it was your son for sure and certain but listen go back and try again look each bird in the eyes and choose where you find tears for nothing but the human soul weeps back went the man into the forest for the third time and there was a dwarf just as before only this time it was a sparrow and a jackdaw and a raven that he had in his basket the man looked at each of the three in turn and there were tears in the raven's eyes this is the one i chose said he and he snatched it and ran and it was his son and none other whom he held as for the dwarf he stood and stamped his feet and tore his hair but that was all he could do for one must abide by one's bargain no matter what happens you can guess how glad the father and the mother were to have their son back home again but the lad just sat back on the stove and warmed his shins and stared into the land of nowhere without doing a stroke of work from morning till night at last the father could stand it no longer for though one is glad to have one's own safe under the roof at home it is another thing to have one's own doing nothing the live long day but sit back at the stove and eat good bread and meat for the silver pine cones were gone by this time and good things were no more plentiful in the blacksmith's house than they were had seen before come says he to the lazy boots one day is there nothing at all that you can do to earn the salt you eat oh yes said the lad i have learned many things and one over at the dwarf's house yonder for the dwarf is a famous blacksmith so out he came from behind the stove and brushed the ashes from his hair and went out into the forge give me a piece of iron says he and i will show you a trick or two worth the knowing yes says the blacksmith and you shall have the iron all the same i know that it is little or nothing that you know about the hammer and the tongs but the young fellow answered nothing he made a bed of hot coals and laid the iron in it here said he to his father do you blow the bellows till i come back and be sure that you do not stop for so much as a wink or else all will be spoiled so he gave the handle into the blacksmith's hand and off he went the old man blew the bellows and blew the bellows but the dwarf over in the forest knew what was being done as well as though he stood in the forge he was not for the letting the lad steal his tricks if he could help it so he changed himself into a great fly and came and lit on the blacksmith's neck and bit him till the blood ran but the blacksmith just shut his eyes tight and grinned and bore it and blew the bellows and blew the bellows by and by the lad came in and the fly flew away he drew the iron out of the fire and dipped it in water and what do you think it was why a golden tree with little golden bird sitting in the branches with bright jewels for its eyes the lad drew a little silver wand from his pocket and gave the tree a tap 
and the bird began to hop from branch to branch and to sing so sweetly that it made one's heart stand still to listen to it as for the blacksmith he just stood and gaped and stared with his mouth and eyes as wide open as if he could never shut again now there was no king in that country but a queen who lived in a grand castle in a high hill and was as handsome as one ever a body's eyes looked upon here says the late lad to his father take this up to the queen at the castle yonder and she will pay you well for it then he went and sat down back at the stove again and toasted his shins and stared at nothing at all up went the blacksmith to the queen's castle with a golden bird and a golden tree wrapped up in the pocket handkerchief dear dear how the queen did look and listen and wonder when she saw how pretty it was and heard how sweetly the little golden bird sang she called a steward and bade him give the blacksmith a whole bag of gold and silver money for it and off went the man as pleased as pleased could be and now they lived upon the very best of good things over at the blacksmith's house but good things cost money and by and by the last penny was spent of what the queen had given him and nothing would do but for the lad to go out and work a little while at the forge so up he got from the back of the stub and out he went into the forge he made a bed of coals and laid the iron upon it now says he to his father do you blow the bellows till i come back and off he went well the old man took the handle and blew and blew but the dwarf knew what was going on this time just as well as he had done before he changed himself into a fly and came and lit on the blacksmith's neck and dear dear how he did bite the blacksmith shut his eyes and grinned but at last he could bear it no longer he raised his hand and slapped at the fly but away it flew with never a hair hurt it came the lad and drew the iron out of the fire and plunged it into the water and there it was a beautiful golden comb that shone like fire but the lad was not satisfied with that you should have done as i told you said he and have stopped at nothing for now the work is spoiled the blacksmith vowed and declared that he had not stopped from blowing the bellows but the lad knew better than that for there should have been a golden looking glass as well as the comb the one was of no use without the other for one looked in the golden looking glass and the combed one's hair and the golden comb one grew handsome every day and the lad had intended both for the queen all the same said the old man i will take the golden comb up to the castle and it did no good for the lad to shake his head and say no for says the father old heads are wise heads and the queen will like this as well as the other so up to the castle he would go and up to the castle he went well when the queen saw the golden comb her brows grew as black as a thunderstorm where is the looking-glass said she and though the old man vowed and declared that no looking-glass belonged with the comb she knew a great deal better so now the blacksmith might have his choice he should either bring her the looking-glass that belonged to the golden comb or bring her that which was the best in the world if he did neither of these he should be thrown into a deep pit full of toads and vipers back went the old man home again and told the lad all yet happened from beginning to end and then he wanted to know what he should do to get himself out of his pickle 
well it was no easy task to make what the queen wanted all the same the lad would try what he could do so he rolled up his sleeves and out he went to the forge and laid a piece of iron upon the bed of hot coals this time he would not trust the old man to blow the bellows for him but took the handle into his own hand and blew and blew the dwarf knew what was happening this time as well as before he changed himself into a fly and came and sat on the lad's forehead and bit until the blood ran down his eyes and blinded him but the lad blew the bellows and blew the bellows first the fire burned red and then it burned white and then it burned blue and after the work was done then the young man raised his hand and struck the fly and killed it and that was the end of the dwarf for good and all what he had made he dipped into the water and it was a gold ring nothing less or more he took a sharp knife and drew charms upon it and inside of the circle he wrote these words who wears this shall have the rest what the world has to give here said the lad to his father take this up to the queen for it is what she wants and there is nothing better in the world off marched the old man and gave the ring to the queen and then slipped it on her finger that was how the blacksmith saved his own skin but the poor queen did nothing but just sit and look out of the window and sigh and sigh after a while she called the steward to her and bade him go over and tell the blacksmith's son to come to her there sat the lad back of the stove true said he she must send a better than you if she would have come to her so the steward had just to go back to the castle again and tell the queen what the lad had said then the queen called her chief minister to her do you go said she and bid the lad come to me there said the lad back of the stove said he she must send a better than you if she would have me come to her off went the minister and told the queen what he had said and the queen saw as plain as the nose on her face and she must go herself if she would have had the lad to come to her bidding there said the lad back of the stove and would he come with her now yes indeed that he would so he slipped from behind the stove and took her by the hand and they walked out of the house and up to her castle on the high hill and that was where he belonged now there they were married and ruled the land for a near for it is one thing to be a blacksmith of one kind and another thing to be a blacksmith of another kind and that is the truth whether you believe it or not and did the queen really get the best in the world bless your heart my dear wait until you're as old as i am and have been married as long and you will be able to answer the question without the asking end of chapter twenty four the best that life has to give end of the wonder clock by howard pyle